two, three, go. Okay. Welcome to Sports Med Res's This Week in Review podcast, where we highlight the recent news in sports medicine research. Over the past two weeks, we've had four posts on sportsmedres.org. That's res.org. During this time, we introduced two new consensus statements. The first was the Turkish Society of Cardiology's consensus report on recommendations for athletes with high-risk genetic cardiovascular diseases or implanted cardiac devices. And the second consensus statement was the Brazilian consensus statement on viscosupplementation of the knee. In the first article we shared, we described the study where the authors were found that prior to a concussion, football athletes experience more head impacts at higher magnitudes compared to non-concussed athletes with similar characteristics. In the second post, we described the study where the authors reported that overall, 7 out of 10 football players are not implementing key heat stroke preparedness strategies. Football programs in warmer regions of the United States or with a state-level mandate had better compliance with these strategies than those without mandates or within other areas of the country. If we take a closer look at that first article, we find that the authors of this study examined the biomechanics of concussion in football when carefully selecting healthy controls for factors that may alter concussion tolerance. Athletes were selected from the Concussion Assessment, Research, and Education Consortium, or CARE Consortium. This includes 502 Division I collegiate football players from four universities and two military academies. These players had completed demographic reports and wore helmets equipped with head accelerometers between 2015 to 2017. 44 athletes that sustained a concussion were matched as closely as possible by body mass index, age, race, and number of previous concussions. The authors focused on the time between the first day of practice and the date of a concussion for each match set of players. Athletes with a concussion experienced about 94 more head impacts and participated in four more contact sessions compared to the controls. Additionally, the athletes with concussion suffered more severe contacts than the controls. The authors performed a second analysis with just 24 of the best-matched pairs. Among these pairs, the athletes with concussion had on average 205 more head impacts and greater head acceleration. Here, the authors reaffirmed that athletes with concussion experience greater head impact frequency and acceleration compared to their matched counterparts. They were also involved in more contact practices or games. The authors' findings are novel because they tried to control for factors that may alter someone's concussion tolerance. However, they had to make several large assumptions and may have missed other important factors such as genetics. The author's approach acknowledged that we may lack specific concussion head impact tolerances or thresholds because large cohorts hide the individual factors that increase risk, such as our physical traits. 
However, combining height and weight and matching by BMI may not be the best way to control and match for physical traits. For example, the physical attributes, such as muscle mass versus adiposity, of an 18-year-old football player may not be the same as a 23-year-old with the same BMI and concussion history. Additionally, efforts should be made to investigate other traits that may increase risk to poor head impact tolerance. Despite these limitations, this study reinforces the idea that clinicians should be aware that prior head impact may influence the chance of getting a concussion. Hence, we need to do more to encourage helmetless practice drills or limiting the number of contact practices. Don't forget that we also share extra material on social media. This week's most popular post was my interview on the AT tapes with Dr. Hibbert about preserving the long-term wellness of our patients. And if you're an athletic trainer who's looking for evidence-based practice CEUs, then please check out our six online evidence-based practice courses that are available through the Human Kinetics website. We'll have links to our summaries, the courses, and the podcast on our new website and in our show notes. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll be back next week with more sports medicine research. Until then, have a fun one.